Okay, we're ready. I am Beth. And I'm Stanie. And you're listening to Mixed Politics. Welcome to episode 11. Mm -hmm. Stanie, what are you drinking? I am drinking a rum punch. This is strawberry and pineapple juice and passion fruit juice with rum. Oh. Um, it's regular old yeah. rum and it's 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 so divine it's like it's it's giving me life right now and i'll tell you why after i find out what you're drinking so what is that well i'm also doing rum tonight but this is uh blueberry lemonade rum and i was just drinking it straight tonight because i didn't really have anything that i felt like would be a good combination for that and this is good straight it's i mean good. it's it sounds like it's a party already it's got two things yeah. in it yeah, I never, it's good. I never heard of I never heard of that being in the bottle with rum before. But I know. You what's the brand? What's, what's you What'd you call? Was it? Um, well, Cruzan. Oh, um, Cruzan! Man, your hangover is about to be epic. Depends on how much I drink. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you've drank, if you drink, how much I've already drank? Oh man, you. I would never drink that much. So we're good. <laughs> okay. What are we talking about tonight, Beth? We are talking about what's going on with the State of the Union address. Mm. Biden's speech to Congress. Yeah. I would like to start, though, with a, how this address usually works, because there is some historical context to it. This is uh, something that is a yearly report that fulfills Article 1, Section 3 of the Constitution. Um, there's a clause that reads that the president shall from time to time give Congress uh, information on the state of the union and recommend the, his consideration for such things or what did they say, such measures as he shall judge necessary and expedient. Yeah. So it started as a written report every year, but then with the advent of radio and television, every president since Woodrow Wilson has made this an actual speech in person in front of both chambers of Congress. And um, it's, you know, it's a lot of grandstanding. But the thing that I found interesting, though, is that Biden did not use the phrase, the state of the union is blah, blah, blah. I thought it was just me when I was doing my research. That was one of the things I wrote that I swear to God, it's right here. I'm not even making it up. It's like, yep. I was like, Actually, so I'll show you my notes. It says, he didn't lie, quote, the State of the Union is good. Right? Jesus that's fucking Christ, <laughs> No, that's been a tradition since Reagan. He, he I, coined the phrase, the State of the Union is strong, and everybody since then has wanted to say strong. But yeah. um, Gerald Ford actually said the State of the Union is not good. He said that one time. The State oh, of the okay. Union is not good. Yeah, I don't think I was so. around that when that happened that was shortly before my time so um you know that's just the 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 thing every president wants to get up there and say the state of the union is good or strong or whatever but he just said i'm here to report that america is on the move again and that's progress this president says we don't have to do things just because we've always done it a certain way yeah he's like I'm going to show up and say my own damn words. <laughs> That's so interesting for as old as he is and for has, how long he's spent in Congress to just yeah. be like, I'm 70, close to an octogenarian. And, and, and like, I'm just breaking molds left and right. 
Yeah. Um, but it, I think it's hilarious though that 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 was like the, literally my first yeah. note on the page. Yeah. Because because when yeah. I saw, when I queued it up to see to start doing research on this topic, I was just like, I know what the fuck he's gonna say. The same shit everybody always says and just lies to all of us, barefaced looking at the American <laughs> people. I'd like to report American people. The state of the union is strong. And then they all clap. And I'm yeah. like, no, no, it's not. That Obama said it when they had like the, the financial crisis of 2008 or whatever. And I'm like, I remember watching it and I was like, bro, which, yeah. which, which, which you, are we talking about the same union? Because right. a lot of people are losing their homes and that's good. Uh, yeah. 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 It's yeah. very insulting as, a, as an American who's struggling to hear the president say, Hey, we're good. It's like, who the fuck are you talking to? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so, cool. so you, how did you feel overall about the speech? Um, all right. So let me just give you a little bit of background of my personal issues with this speech. First of all, this is the first speech I've watched in completion. And I'll actually watch multiple times because obviously I'm doing a podcast about it. But the ones in previous times, like as soon as they get to the point of the state of the union is good or the state of the union is strong, I'm just like, all right, okay. Oh, yeah. You're going to lie to me for an hour. I'd rather go watch Always Sunny in Philadelphia. So I never completed watching the entire, you know, speech. Yeah. Um, but I, like I've gotten the snippets and I've gotten the important parts and news and stuff. And I, I was always like, oh man, or with the advent of Facebook and people, I remember people live streamed it. I don't know if you yes. remember that, like a few years uh -huh. ago, people were oh, just yeah. like, oh, he said this. And they'd be fact checking him like at the same time or whoever the president is. And I remember looking at that and I was just like, oh man, I'm so glad I'm not wasting my time watching this bullshit propaganda fest yeah. and I'm watching something else. But this time, because we're doing a service, not just for us, but for the people who listen to us and depend on us for unbiased knowledge, I was like, all right, now I have to sit here and listen. So for the first one that I've listened to to completion, I appreciated that from the get go, I wasn't turned off because of mm -hmm. state sanctioned propaganda or, 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 or state developed propaganda, where it was just like the state of the union is awesome. The state of the union is like, we're... Mm -hmm coming out of a, a financial crisis that was due to a pandemic that was due to whatever, whatever, we still have civil unrest because of unfair treatment of un African-Americans by police and unarmed people in general, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Like nothing's been good. Like it's been, we've just been like holding the country together by loving each other, the few of us that can and moving forward. That's not mm -hmm. a good thing. It's it's right. it's like it's the country's on on stilts and we're all holding on. So when mm -hmm. he when he started off by saying, you know, by not saying the state of the union is good, but saying that we've got America going again. We started yes. the engine and we're we're trying to get down the road. And I was just like, okay, uh, yeah. let me hear what. Okay, I'm in. You know. So right. what did, what did you what did you think? And it, to be honest, over the course of listening to it. He didn't really disappoint on that. He stayed on the course of we move in. This is what we've done. This is what we are doing. And this is what we hope to do to get out of, you know, the dark ages. Right. So I think he stayed true to that. So what did you think of the speech overall? Well, I, th 
I paid attention to his cadence. It was very calming and he had good control over his voice. He spoke softly, almost whisper like sometimes. Mm -hmm. And um, if you're familiar with music, I was thinking pianissimo. It was just that very soft type of cadence and, mm -hmm. and speech. And then when he was talking about very serious things like cancer research and families on a waiting list for Medicare, I think it was appropriate yeah. for him to have that, that uh, tone of voice of very soft. But then when he got to serious topics, um, well, I mean, the other ones were serious too, but when he got to something that he was raising More his personal. voice in a crescendo because he was talking about yeah. things like trickle down economics, not working or a living wage right. being paid and rapidly changing jobs. The things that he knew he needed to drive home and get people's attention. He did that crescendo with his voice where he took it from mm -hmm. a whisper up to very boisterous. And so this is uh, the 21st century fireside chat, I think. And, and that's a welcome change after the last four years of an impulsive and screaming insult slinger in chief. So I thought that his tone was really good. Who had the fireside chats? Was it FDR? Yeah, FDR. Wow. Did you just compare Joe Biden to fucking FDR? Only only in as it relates to him having that calming influence on people. Wow. Knowing because a lot of presidents well, I, I think Reagan was really good about this too, that he knew how to communicate because he was an actor. Mm -hmm. He has he was very experienced in it's in tone and in all that kind of stuff. But um, it takes a, a certain kind of person. Now, I'm not the biggest fan of Joe Biden because I, 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 I'm not a fan of a lot of his policies. Yeah. But I do appreciate that he recognizes that it went in times of chaos, people need to have a calming influence. Trump right. obviously did not understand that. It was all about him and he just wanted to make waves. But um, with Biden, he gets it that people are really scared right now. And so he knew to have a, a calming voice. And that's what FDR did too. He used the fireside chat because he wanted to connect with people on a personal level. So I'm not comparing him to FDR in any way right now, except for just knowing that a common voice is what people needed to hear right now. Yeah. Yeah. So my, all right. So when FDR was doing fireside chats, that was by radio. What? Per, right, right. Predominantly, nobody had TVs, right? Nobody right, had TVs. Okay. I mean, right. TVs were were invented at that point, but it but wasn't. No, sold it wasn't to... common for people to have them, no. So like, yeah, dude. So like you turn on your radio and like you literally sit by your fireplace and got your blanket mm -hmm. or whatever. And like this president is telling you, you know, this is what we're doing overseas and this is what we're doing, whatever. Um, I think that would actually be very good for Biden. Um, the, the, the problem with that, though, in making things such a such a personal in your home, in your living room, I'm talking to you as a president thing is that we just came out of four years of fucking tweet turd in chief <laughs> yep where every single fucking day he was in our living room or on our iphone or in our car or whatever and this is like yes it would be good for for biden to you know on a weekly basis navigate us out of this this storm but it's like we kind of need a break man we just came out of this abusive yes. relationship we want to yes. get on fucking on tinder and just fuck around and just be wild for a little bit safely but we don't want to jump back into this thing where, you know, this fucking narcissist is up our asshole every fucking night. That and that's shit really, really what me it off, is. Dude. I, the way that... I'm so happy that I don't know what's going on with the president. Me too. I, I'm I in no the same idea boat. What happened. Oh my God. And relating it to the State of the Union address, mm. I could not stand to hear Trump's voice. So the last four years, I would still. I didn't, I didn't listen. I, I didn't watch on television. 
my husband did and I could hear him screaming at the TV sometimes because it was just too much. But that's why I didn't watch on television, but I would read the transcripts. My brother's the same way. He and I are yeah. on polar opposite sides of the political, political spectrum, but for the very same reason, we decide to read the transcripts because we still want to know what's going on, but we don't want to be mm. distracted by all the nonsense. And I get really upset listening to a narcissist talk. I'm very triggered by that. Yeah. So I still wanted to know what was going on, but I would not watch it on television. I felt like I could but, watch this one on television. I think though for, for, I don't know, in previous cases, like it was always just like, for me personally, listening, you know, or watching or reading the transcript or whatever, it was, it just seemed like self masturbatory, like American propaganda. It was just yeah. like, this is good. This is great. We've done this. We've done this. And hardly any talk is ever about what failed, what went wrong. How can we fix this? How can we make it right? How can we rebuild? And the mm -hmm. funny thing is that happened a few times in this speech, which I, it just surprised me. Um, when he was talking about the infrastructure, infrastructure bill and creating jobs that will uh, create a better power grid across the nation mm -hmm. with clean energy or whatever. And then he just kind of, and I knew, I knew he did it because it was kind of a slight to that fucking asshole who was sitting there with the, um, come and get it mask, Ted Cruz. Oh, yeah. snooze and cruise. Yeah. Because he fell asleep. Yeah. I knew, I knew Biden did it as a slight because he mentioned Texas. He was just like, you know, like the fail, like the failure that happened recently in Texas. So we need to have a better national infrastructure. Yeah. So, but, so he did point out something that went wrong, which is, is cool by my standards because it's like other presidents have never pointed out anything that went wrong, but yeah. I knew he did it as like a little, a little, you know, a little jab, like, you know, Hey, just so you know, we haven't forgotten Cancun cruise about your Lone Star State and what happened. And we're trying but to I, fix that. I think it wasn't entirely a jab just for the sake of having a jab. It is mm -hmm. extremely relevant to talk about the power grids failing Yeah, it's as important. a result of a weather event. I mean, this is a serious problem. And so yeah. if it were just something like, oh, Texas, you know, they, they, you know, lost all these jobs or whatever, that would be a jab just for the sake of, of trying to hurt him. But yeah. this is relevant to infrastructure and why we need to have these upgrades because clearly John Cornyn and Ted Cruz don't give a shit about having a strong power grid and, and fixing that problem. So federal government steps in and says, hey, we can fix it for you guys if you really want to. Mm. So you, one of the things that was pretty obvious to me, but but weird. Here's the thing: it was it was obvious to me, but I I almost missed it a few times. The clapping and the non-clapping of like Republicans, because in previous in previous uh, State of the Union addresses, right, you'd have like all you know 50 senators or 52 and 48 or 50 50 whatever and everybody's like huddled together and then you got the other people you know in the rafters that they invited or whatever but this time it wasn't because of covid mm -hmm. protocols every everybody had to be more than six feet apart so like one one bench or one one chair would be like three or four from another person they didn't invite any visitors they didn't have anybody else you know coming mm -hmm. in as a prop like right. the last few ones we had, I think, I think Rush Limbaugh was at the last one. 
and like mm-hmm. a couple of gold star families and just like just propaganda but this one just had the senators and everybody was spread out so to see who was clapping and who wasn't clapping at what you would have to like pan from who to who to who to who to who because they weren't like next to each other and i thought that was really really interesting that at certain points you knew everything that he said the democrats were going to clap for of course but but whenever he said something regarding like background checks for guns or um increasing the taxes on rich people you know whatever whatever they would pan to like a broad picture of the republican side and they'd just be all like Mm -hmm. that was a huge thing for me i started to to notice the pattern so bipartisanship has been a key talking point for the gop now that they're not in control of anything yeah not not even their ability to stay away from underage girls but I was interested in what subjects in the State of the Union <laughs> they would be, be showing. <laughs> I was interested to, to see what subjects they would show appreciation for, because it, it's customary for the part, like you said, the party of the president to stand and clap for everything. But everything. there are times when both parties would feel so passionate about something that they would stand up and give a, an ovation. And so yeah. I think it's very telling. Or- or rebuke. You remember when Obama gave one and some, I still don't know to this day, but some senator in the back was just like, you're lying! Right. And I was like, that had never happened what? before. That has never like, happened before. Oh my God. Sense. What? That, that, that was... <laughs> that wasn't decorum. That wasn't how it's supposed to go. <laughs> no. It's never happened before or since. So, um, so I thought it was very telling. I started to mm. notice... Um, at first, I was thinking, okay, these Republicans are not going to stand and clap for anything. But there were a few times. So when Biden mentioned there's nothing more bipartisan than ending cancer, when he yeah, talked about ending I the- saw They panned around the room. Yeah. So when mm. he talked about ending the war in Afghanistan, when he talked about most police officers serve with honor, and then he mentioned that he right. was not going to start um, a, a conflict with China the Republicans stood up and clapped. So they were capable of showing appreciation. And because of that, I was like, let me think about the times that they did not stand up and they did not clap. So Mm. here's the the GOP senators and representatives that are in Washington to represent you and me. Here's what they did not stand up for. Child poverty was cut in half. Jobs, jobs, jobs to combat climate change. Paying farmers to plant cover crops so they can actually make money yes. while reducing carbon emissions and creating reusable energy. The jobs plan is a blue collar blueprint to build back America. The middle oh class God. built this country. You're just uh, going paycheck, through all my notes. <laughs> paycheck Fairness Act, guaranteeing equal pay for women. For women, words, yes. yes. Right, right the here. words doing nothing is not an option. So it's a little bit ironic that when they're talking, when they're so you demanding know, of bipartisanship, when he says yeah. bipartisanship is what we need, they didn't stand up and clap for that. So you um, know what I thought was funny for one of them specifically, when he pointed out that 50 women uh, per per month are killed by like a close partner or a boyfriend or whatever. And so we need to have better laws to protect these women. Because I remember he, he said, what was it? that between the time of the Atlanta shooting and the Colorado shooting, there were 250 um, other 
death by gun or gunshot or whatever. And then he went, he kind of segued into 50 women per, per month are killed by a partner or a husband or whatever, whatever. So we need to like close the like boyfriend loophole of somebody that's like a known abuser. And then they clapped. And then I, they panned to like the Democrats I'm, and like everybody was clapping. And then they panned to the Republicans and they were just like, and I'm yeah. like, y'all, y'all okay with women dying because some dude came in drunk? Like that's y'all all right with that? Why are you not yeah. clapping for this? This is a good we're protecting women. Right. And that's my point. My point is they were capable of showing appreciation, but it is very insulting that these things they chose not to clap for were the yeah. things that matter most to Americans. To people. And, yeah. Yes. And as as a woman. I think everybody on this fucking earth should clap for that. And if you ain't clapping for that and you're making laws for me, I don't want you. I don't want you making laws. I was looking around the room and I was just like, you know, all the Republic, all the, all the, the, the popular Republicans were just sitting there. Like, I I get it, dude. Cause when, when Trump was giving his shit, whatever, that's one of the things I did look for. Like nobody on the Democrat side clapped for anything or whatever. And remember when he got done the first one, he got done. Nancy Pelosi did the the little like you know okay yeah, little she... short bus clap, and right. and, and I was just like, come on, that's so unprofessional and not like a part of what decorum should be. But like, I get it, the partisanship. But when you listen to something that's clearly beneficial for everyone, you can't even give the man the support that you know he's trying. And the the thing is, remember. All the evangelicals are always like, you know, pray for the president. It's just like, you're stupid if you want the president to fail. Like, I completely get it. Those are all your talking points when Trump became president. Yeah. Can we keep that same energy? Can we keep that same, you know, like (laughs) that you want Biden to fail so the country will fail? Right. Because, Because to be honest, I didn't like Trump, but I also didn't want him to fail. Like, I didn't want Russia and like China to fucking steamroll us. I never no. once woke up and be like, I hope Russia and China fucking murder us so that Trump will look bad. Yeah. I'll be no, dead. N- that doesn't make n- any damn sense. N- never. And and to the, the to the GOP voters, to the conservatives, to the people voting um, that do not like Joe Biden and are actively speaking out against him uh, regarding infrastructure, saying, well, mm. broadband is not infrastructure. Do you say well, it's not it the federal government's job to fix the pipes? to fix the local roads, to fix the broadband and and get it into rural areas, your areas, conservatives, Mm -hmm. who's, who's putting pressure on the local businesses to do it then? Because you don't have broadband now. Joe Biden's offering it to you to say, hey, I recognize and I'm gonna advocate for you that you need to be brought into the 21st century and be on level playing field with, with the rest of the world, with the New York cities and the San Francisco's. He's advocating for you to have it, and you're refusing it because socialism because it's Joe, or whatever. Because it's Joe Biden that's talking about right. it. So if the federal government's offering it to you, and you refuse that service, who's going to get it for you? Who Who's next in line to advocate for you? Nobody. Who's next, who's the, next the in local, line? Don't make me yeah. do it again. Don't make me do it again. Next in line, Donald Trump Jr. But that's the thing that I don't understand is that this man, this president, unlike the prior president who was supposed to be advocating for the conservatives, he didn't. Mm. This, who they're calling a super progressive liberal, which is laughable, but this liberal president is advocating for you 
Mr. Average Joe American. And you're saying, fuck him. I don't want his help. Okay, well, who's going to help you then? Because the local businesses aren't getting it for you. Corporations aren't subsidizing this for you. Your local mm. politicians, your state politicians, your federal politicians aren't getting it for you either. So it's basically like, okay, scoff the person who's advocating for you. There ain't nobody next in line advocating for you. So you know what? You might want to pay attention. You might want to get the broadband. Yeah. Join us in the 21st century. Every time I say State of the Union, I remember like this gaffe by George Bush when he couldn't get the word State of the Union out. You remember that remember. one? No, I don't oh, remember you, that. You got to look it up. And so in my State of the my State of the Union or State, my speech to the nation, whatever you want to call it, speech to the nation. <laughs> it's like, what? God, I miss those days. That used to be so controversial back then. Oh my God, I miss that. Now, now the now the now the now the issue is who's who did Joe Biden's dog bite? Right, Why? exactly. Or Sleepy Joe. Oh well, who fell asleep at the State of the Union? Mitt Romney and Ted Cruz. And so Ted yeah. Cruz. yeah, who's sleepy now? <laughs> so the thing that I thought was very very subtle but very very important was he okay so almost every other topic that he talked about he named the topic which it was like healthcare infrastructure education cancer or whatever he never mentioned the words foreign policy never. you're right he did i watched it four times he never says foreign policy or whatever but he outlined a fuck ton of part foreign policy shit i think i have like three pages of notes here on just foreign yep i do okay so give I, us the highlights I have, I, I have china russia iran north korea afghanistan al-qaeda isis and yeah he, he also mentioned some like homegrown domestic policies too but yes. he never they, he never named them because i think whoever wrote this speech should get like a congressional medal of honor because <laughs> no it, it took it took so much like maneuvering and like like wordplay to get points across without getting any one side like terribly riled up or just anti or super four or whatever it like they they told the line they walked the middle so fine it was crazy yeah, so when he when he was talking about when he started talking about foreign policy was the part where he mentioned that we are a d democracy we are a democratic republic we you know the the voice of congress is the voice of the people and whatever and then he mentioned that like you know our adversaries are autocratic they have one leader like um and he he has the greatest respect um, for Xi Ping, and he has a, a lot of respect for, um, uh, for for Russia. And he, I remember specifically, he said that he didn't say Putin at that point because you know the fucking conservatives would be like, "You respect, you respect Putin," like they sure. lose their minds, like they <laughs> collectively lose their shit at the same time. Yeah, but but so he was making the difference in the foreign policy outlook by saying we're democratic and they're autocratic yes. right and that's the difference the difference between like the cold war era where it was just like we're capitalists and they're communists and it was so polarizing it's just like no we have a democracy 
and they have a different governmental system which so happens to be autocratic however they still maintain the farce of democracy so you can't really like call it anti-democratic outright but he's Mm -hmm. sure he's sure for sure did that and then he went into all the comparisons of what we're behind and what we've been leading in in terms of Mm -hmm. the foreign policy he went into and the funny part about this is to me while i'm listening to it like i had my arm folded i was just like okay well this is my part i'm ready to go let's go let's see what you got it was all propaganda it was so funny but like i said the speechwriters were so good he navigated the currents without drawing any attention to like specific issues so like with china he was just like there's no u.s president that would ignore human rights violations wherever they are across the planet translation you guys are mistreating the uyghurs who are muslim chinese people Mm -hmm. that's that's what he wanted to say that's what he meant but that's not what he said he said human rights violations and then with russia he was just like i talked to putin on the phone and i let him know and you know he's like he's you know this, this big chest shit where he's just like i let him know we're not seeking escalation but we will respond and we right. have responded and it's like yes and i i can imagine like putin watching this is like all right cute i guess whatever <laughs> well it's a far cry from the last four <laughs> years when it was like putin could do whatever the fuck he wanted and we would never respond to it because pretty sure the last guy we had sitting in the oval office didn't want wow. to do anything to piss him off. Not not didn't want to do anything to piss him off. Was readily willing and able to fillet. Yes. Said yes. Russian president. But so yes. so he jumps over to Iran and North Korea and he's like, We'll be addressing these threats and but we're gonna do it with diplomacy, but also if we can't resolve these issues of of nuclear pro- proliferation with diplomacy, then we're gonna address it with stern policy. Mm-hmm. All the time while this is going on, going back to what you were talking about, all the the Republicans were just like, mm-hmm. I, exactly. I swear to God, if Biden had gotten up and said, "Hey, puppies are cute," the Democrats would just be like, "Oh, this is true. This is profound," and then Republicans would be like, "Oh, but no, I pointed they, out a couple times which they did they actually are right. clap. They, they are, are right. capable. They are capable of clapping, and they but, did clap, but not excitedly." It was almost like what's the word I'm looking for? Um, oh my god, not not reluctantly. It's worse than that. I can't remember the word. Jesus Christ, I'm yeah. so fucking drunk. But, but it was it was just like it's just like yeah, we'll clap. While the Democrats are just like yes, he said yeah. it, and the Republicans are just like yeah. The point the point that I was trying to make though <laughs> is that they were capable of clapping. They didn't have to be enthusiastic about it. But they were capable of doing it. So if he had said puppies are cute, I'm sure that the GOP would have clapped for that. But the point is, they did not clap for some of the most incredibly poignant things that impact the American people. So I'm not surprised that they're not clapping for the whole Mm. we don't want to escalate with China thing or whatever. You know what they did clap for, though? And I know this was just posturing for their their base or their constituents when he touched Afghanistan. And he said, and he made, dude, like I said, dude, you know what? Props to these speech writers. Shout out to whoever you are who wrote this speech. I hope if you ever listen to this podcast, I, I've, I've written speeches before. It's not easy. 
and for you guys to do it so well, like I'm not even caring about Biden's delivery of it, just the words in the speech. I'm just like, yo, especially for foreign policy, because you say the wrong word and we got a war tomorrow. Right. That that's a delicate part. So not pissing off China by actually naming the the Uyghurs, and then saying to Russia we're not seeking escalation, saying to Iran and North Korea we're gonna address the threats diplo- diplomatically at first, but if we can't, then we'll have to step up with stern policy. And then when he gets to Afghanistan, the speechwriters are just like, "All right, listen, we're gonna go straight emotion, straight emotion," which was classic. And he closed it with that because he was just like, "We have service members." who are fighting in Afghanistan right now, who were not alive in 9-11. And when he said that, I was just like, the motherfucking speechwriters, y'all pay them the yes. money. Pay them yes. the money. Because what was that? What was that? Right. Y'all, y'all working hard. Y'all doing the damn thing. And then he continues. Right. He says, he says, we have service members who are parents who fought in the same war as their children who weren't yes. born in 9-11. I was just like, what you gonna say now? Yeah, and at that point, it was just like the Republicans have to clap, yeah, because because whoever wrote those two lines, man, they need to ghost write for Drake, Jay Z, or somebody because <laughs> I man, they're popping off, right? Yeah, it was very interesting, and I like the speechwriter's approach of of mm. weaving the stuff in there in a way that I think yeah. connected well with the average American. So was that your biggest takeaway from it, the foreign policy piece of it? My my biggest takeaway was how he presented the the foreign policy very, very subtly, how he pushed the laws that he wanted to pass. I think another one of them um, that was not just social justice, but economically, the tax, where he said that if you're not making 400,000 US dollars per month or sorry, per year, then you don't need to worry about this. So all of your little friends that work at Pizza Hut and Walgreens, like, and they tell you, oh, I don't like Biden because of his tax plan. Like he straight up told you, if you ain't making half a billion dollars a year, mm-hmm. we're not talking to you. You don't make enough money to be in this conversation. So stop right. talking. Go go watch Paw Patrol. This ain't for you. This is big boy stuff. You 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 tiny. Um, he touched on very good points with the gun control. And loopholes. Then he went on to touch on mm-hmm. the dreamers and having like a pathway to citizenship, which I know every conservative and every Republican in the world just, you know, collapsed into themselves like, no, take our jobs. Take our jobs. Take our jobs. Right. So he, he touched on the things that he wanted to push through or that are in the pipeline right yeah. now. And he, he kept using the phrase, send it to my desk. Just get yes. it to me, and I'll I'll sign it. You know, yeah. um, so so those were the biggest takeaway for me. Now, to to completely answer your question, the biggest, most monumental takeaway for me for the entire night was when he said that, and it was right after he talked about foreign policy, and he was talking about threats to the United States, and he was like Al Qaeda over there, ISIS also in the same direction i'll get our point and he was just like yeah those things are whatever but according to the statistics and the research done by the doj and the dod and whatever the biggest threat to our americans the people who live here is white supremacy 
Mm-hmm. And when he said that, I, I my eyebrows are just like, wait, he said what? He said it. He, he said just, the words? He said the words. Like, I literally have it here in my notes. I don't know if you can see that. I, it was like, he said it. I was like, he said it? The fuck? Yeah. And then, and then yeah. he went on and he was just like, like, the the shouldering of these burdens or this burden has been on the and i quote necks of black americans for far too long and i'm sitting here just like is it is this man invoking dr king and fucking malcolm x right now in congress this is wild why wouldn't he i mean why but, wouldn't he say these words it, because it, he's the not... president of everyone that's what you're well, supposed to say but nobody wanted to say it before i know and so what the thing that i really caught at the beginning of his speech was that he said that the insurrection was the greatest threat to our democracy since, since the, the civil, civil war, war. Right. and i was so glad that he's been saying these things because this is forever etched into our history's documents mm-hmm. that he gave the speech in front of congress they can no longer have this this you know kind of skirting the issue like oh we don't know your president has stood in front of you and addressed the nation saying mm-hmm. this is of utmost importance this is what and again this is the article one um the thing that or article two clause that, that says he's supposed to say what his priorities are this is yeah. his priority and it's up to congress to take it up now so this is you know domestic terrorism is not just people who are a certain skin color they yeah. come from other nations and, and sit around here in America for a while and then start committing like a acts sleeper terror. cell. They're homegrown people too. And with yeah. the advent of the internet, this is something we need to address because the and more... they, homegrown, but they don't have to be close to each other because of the internet. Exactly. Like we, can, this is we, what... can, we can, we can make plans for me in Ohio and you in Texas and another guy in California. We all meet up at, at, in Washington, DC to storm the Capitol. Which that is exactly what happened what on happened. January 6th. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's what happened in Michigan when they were plotting to kidnap yeah. the, the governor of Michigan. They met in Ohio to talk about it. And then, I mean, this, this shit's happening under their noses every single day. We have yeah, lawmakers okay. sitting in Washington that don't even use the internet. And they're, it's no wonder we don't have legislation that protects us from things like this. So yeah. I'm glad he said the words. We needed to have it said. He said, he said, it is time to pass laws that will protect and to heal. And it's been far too long on the necks of black Americans. When he said that, I was just like, I don't know. I mean, obviously he has to agree to say the words um, when he gets the speech. But like, I'm looking at the speech writers again. I was just like, man, y'all are, y'all are swinging for the fences. Like at first y'all were just button, just, you know, just getting on base but like closer towards the end of this of the speech they were just like babe ruth in it just fucking getting out of here man knocking it out awesome. of the park yeah. yeah so my biggest takeaway was about education this was something again that the speechwriters kind of slid in there and yeah. my husband and i looked at each other with our wide, eyes wide open we're like whoa where'd that come from so mm-hmm. stanny you know that i don't like arbitrary rules and we've we've talked about this before in prior episodes. So now, yeah, right now our public education in America covers kindergarten through kindergarten or first grade through twelfth grade. So yeah. a family doesn't have even if you don't have money, you can still send your kids to get a free education. And it's because once upon a time, <laughs> this country determined that an educated society was a better society. 
and, and then we this, just went back on that. Right. Well, this this goes all the way back to the original 13 colonies. The founding fathers encouraged free education through public taxation. So this isn't mm. some liberal or socialist conspiracy, you guys. The founding fathers encouraged this. So I had to make that point that this is not something that's just new. So I come from a long line of teachers, of generations of teachers. My great grandpa was, he taught in a one room schoolhouse in the early 1900s. And my grandma was actually named after one of his students who helped him to teach the younger kids. Because back then all students ages five through 18 were in one room. And then there was this movement in the early 20th century starting around 1910 or so to shift our education into one that split children into different rooms and maybe subsequently different buildings because there was this influx of people who wanted to have the public education. So there was a need yeah. for us to have more room. And the reason I'm mentioning all this is because in Biden's speech, he said he wanted to extend public education because right now it's K through 12. He wanted to extend it to say, let's have two more years up front and two more years in the back. So you can start not just a kindergarten, not just a preschool, but let's have public education that starts at maybe age three or so. And then let's not stop at 12th grade. Let's add two more years of free college because maybe our kids don't get enough in 12 years of an education. People realize that you have to adapt. And, and this kind of goes to what you were just touching on is that if something worked a hundred years ago, what's changed in our country since then for, for us to accommodate now. And so mm. in 1938, there was a full on movement to make elementary school six years long, then middle school for four years, and then high school for four years. Did you hear that? Yes. In 1938, those damn socialists wanted to have 14 years of public schooling. Oh my God. So, because back then, some people were smart enough to know if the current system isn't working, you must adapt to something that does. And so maybe the movement wasn't successful because World War II happened. So a lot of kids were about, dropping out of school. I was about to say that. Yeah, a lot of kids were dropping out of school. And uh, some kids were joining the military early so that they could support the war efforts. But mm -hmm. what's changed since then? Not, not much. Not much has changed in our education system since 1940. It's yeah. 2021. But see, that's there's the, no goes, excuse. There's no excuse goes, at this point. That and that and that's the same. If you really look back at history and not look at it through red, white, and blue lenses, a lot of the technological advancements that we that, that we had just around World War II and then maybe one or two decades after was all imported. Einstein. Oppenheimer, like Oppenheimer. Does that sound like an American name to you? That man, German as hell. Like, okay. you know what I mean? Like, you know, so we started to import all of this, this, this knowledge and this acumen from Europe because as much as we would like to propagandize, like America is the strongest and best and smartest and whatever, it's like, well, if we were the smartest, we wouldn't have granted Einstein citizenship. Right. No. We would have had our own Einstein, but we didn't. Right. You know exactly. There's no excuse for us not extending education today, except for just stubbornness and people wanting to cling to the past and say, "Yeah, you know, every other generation has to do what my generation did back in my day." So we're in the 21st century, and our kids need something more than what they currently have because mm -hmm. 
this system is not the system that we're using was catered to the post-industrial revolution like yeah. steel and coal and fucking railroads and then summers off to do farming early morning start times stuff that was that mattered 100 years ago but not so yeah. much today so he he mentioned that he wanted to extend this and some people are scoffing saying it's socialism so you know you all can take your 12 years of free education and that ain't socialism but then you add on a couple extra years and Suddenly and now we're becoming Stalin. Yeah, I mean, just get the fuck out of here with that nonsense. Um, so, but our children so, are underprepared. I want to make one last point. The children are underprepared. And I think at minimum, we could at least extend it one year so that these kids can have social media mm -hmm. literacy courses. So these kids will know better than to send their nudes to some congressman who's then going to show it to everybody on the House floor. There you go. Leave, that is Matt, at minimum get, what Matt we could do. Alone. Leave Matt gets alone. I will he's not. Suffered. He's suffered enough. He has not. <laughs> he has not. <laughs> he has not right. suffered enough. So, so uh, ongoing with education, Biden in his speech said that he wanted to um, increase funding for uh, low, like institutions that cater to low income uh, mm -hmm. uh, learners and like tribal universities, etc. Because mm -hmm. he said, and I quote. The minority institutions don't have the endowments. Obviously, they don't have the endowments of a MIT or a Harvard or Columbia, Yale, Brown, UPenn, etc. But he also pointed out that the students that go to these universities, whether they be tribal or HBCUs, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, they aren't any less capable. They just right. have less funding or less support or less mm -hmm. opportunity. Um, and so, in in his speech. Uh, he talked about increasing childcare funding so that more children will be able to go to preschool. And then mm -hmm. um, the, the, the educational apparatus for making like almost like a standardized, like this is the base of yes. the education that we should get in university or whatever. Um, and I think that's really, really good because as I said before, he said, any country that out-educates us, out-competes us. And you can't argue with that. That's that's just it, facts. True. If people are learning more than you, then they're gonna be able to beat you. Yes. And you know, it it it, it we are a far cry right now on the global stage from where we were post World War II and you know being a world power and dealing with the arms race and the space race and the cold war or whatever. Like right now, like you have what we've talked about before, near peers. They don't even mm -hmm. consider us a threat because they're so far beyond us. Their people are smart, smarter because of the, 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 the cost of their education is not burdened by their society. Their people are healthier because the cost of their health care is not burdened on society. Every, right. You know, and this is like, so they're healthier, they're smarter. I, I don't, matter of fact, I'm not sure if the last, I, hmm, the last Olympics, I think we did win the medal count, but it was not by much. And that's Correct. the thing. So, 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 so we're faster. So they're faster, they're stronger, and they've caught up in and surpassed us in so many ways. And it's where we're back at now, where it's not that we can just mind our own business. If everyone is passing us and surpassing us by leaps and bounds, we need to change things. We need to adjust. We need to adapt. And if we can't, it's a sink or swim and we're sinking because we're focused on things like culture wars and name calling and branding and, 
and you know politicizing things that are personal issues instead of competing with the people who are whose whole plan is to leave us in the dust and in the rear view and to the point where they're not even considering us a a threat or an issue or a competition yeah they're kind of laughing at us they because collectively our country believes that we're the greatest at everything and the rest of the country is or the the rest of the world is looking at us like those guys think that they're the greatest at everything but we we're so much better let on on a very very small scale very very small scale that most people here wouldn't even care about we didn't make the last world cup okay <laughs> i want you to know that we have produced will chamberlain kareem abdul jabbar lebron james michael jordan michael jordan michael jordan michael jordan tiger woods kobe bryant shaquille o'neal Derek jeter babe ruth um Mean Joe Green, Joe Montana, Tom Britt, and we couldn't make the last World Cup. I could keep going on top of world-class stars that have been born here because we are affluent. We are fortunate. People have facilities where they can go and train. We produce Michael Phelps. Mm Mm-hmm. We couldn't make the last World Cup of soccer. The entire competition happened without our involvement. Mm-hmm. And, and we're on the ver- of... And that, that's, that's so on a global scale of something that everyone competes in, we're not at the top of that. No. You, you, you change your cup. What's going on? Is your water oh, <laughs> I have two different drinks. This is my water. That's why it's huge. So, but I've been drinking so, out of both of them all night. What did What did you think overall of the speech? Because you probably have what to compare it to, since I don't. Since it's the first I've watched the completion. I I watch think? I watch State of the Union almost every year. It, but I I did explain that for Trump I would read the transcripts because I can't stand mm-hmm. to hear him talk. Um, but I would watch them every year, and I think that this one was the one that surprised me the most because I wasn't expecting him to be as uh, targeted as he was with these mm-hmm. policies. And I think that the one thing that he missed was when he was talking about, what was it? Okay. Yeah. He was talking about the tax cuts and uh, the tax cuts of 2017 and how the pandemic has uh, kind of focused our need on now the middle class, which by the way, the GOP did not clap for. No. Um, he was talking about the tax cuts of 2017, how they targeted the top, you know, 1%, gave them all these tax cuts. And then he was saying it didn't really, we don't have, it didn't pay for itself. I thought yeah. that was a good point, but the one point that he was missing and it would have just nailed it yeah. is if he had said, by the way, those same corporations that got the gigantic tax cuts came back one year later holding their money out to big daddy government saying we're broke we need money to keep our doors open they just got a gigantic tax cut yes that would have that would have driven the point home that that tax cut not only did it not pay for itself but Mm -hmm. they literally did not do anything that they promised they would do with that tax cut there was no higher wages no trickling down and they didn't save it for a rainy day like they're always telling us the consumers that we need to be individuals Right. The rainy day came 
And they generally say to people like you and I, we need to have money stashed away in case of an emergency so that you don't mm. go on food stamps or some shit like that. It's very condescending for them to say that. But then literally they did the same thing. They got all this money, gave it to their CEOs, gave it to their stockholders. And then a year later they were fucking broke and they needed $2 trillion in tax cuts. Yeah. I mean, or I'm sorry, in pandemic relief. And it, like that would have just nailed that point home that trickle down economics does not work. Literally never has. He he actually said those words though, but he, he didn't did. tie it into the point that you're making. He needed because, to tie it all together. He he said trickle down economics never work. We need to grow the economy from the bottom and middle class out. That's yes. what he, that those were the words that he said. And at that point, That's I right. totally agreed. And lastly, the last thing he said was, you know, thank you for listening to me, whatever, whatever. And he said, thank you for your patience. <laughs> Joe, what did that mean to you? You have some amazing speechwriters, Joe, because we know that you're slow. We also know that you're sleepy. And yeah, it's well, I get it. One thing I'd like to say is <laughs> a lot of people make too big of a deal of I don't think I don't think Joe Biden has dementia. Whatever. But even care. if he did, even if he did, people are making way too big a deal over it because Woodrow yeah. Wilson was a freaking vegetable the last year or so of his presidency. And we did just fine. We did just fine. All right. Yeah. Well, if you can, Beth, tell these people how to meet us and greet us and get in contact with us. Yes. Well, I am happy to say that we're on Twitch now. Yeah. If you go to Twitch, if you're there, find us at Mixed Politics. We are, of course, on YouTube. If you just search Mixed Politics, you will find us. Be sure to subscribe, share the videos, circulate us around. Facebook and Instagram, we're also there at Mixed.Politics. Twitter at MixedPolitics1. Or you can send us an email at MixedPoliticsPod at gmail.com. And please be sure, wherever you're listening to podcasts, go find us. If you're just listening to us right now, be sure to give us a rating. If you are watching on YouTube or, or Facebook or any of the other things, go find us wherever you subscribe to your podcast. Give us a sub. Give us a rating. We'd like to have some reviews. So be sure to do that. Yeah. Like and subscribe if you're watching this on YouTube. Like and subscribe so you can get yes. all the updates. Um, we also do have a Patreon, um, which is where we solicit things from you and you get things from us. Um, we have a number of subscribers so far, and we want to thank you and give you our appreciation because you are paying yes. for our monthly subscription to Riverside FM, which is where we do this split screen thing. You're also paying for a monthly subscription to Captivate FM, which is where people get to get all the podcasts broadcasted out to everyone else. So Patreon helps us do that. So if you would like to have this uh, podcast continue and grow and be better and awesome, it would help us offset our own personal payment of this thing and a bunch of you have so far we've been paying monthly for captivate um and some of the the riverside and you know but we also do give back to the patreon um that's right we have we have merch we have studio time with us we have dinner and drinks with us we have early access some people have to wait until tuesday to get the episode some people get it on monday because they're on patreon mm -hmm. um and I make sure that we do the editing really fast to make sure that that happens uh, more often than not. Um, also, we had a raffle recently with uh, a winner for one of our merch, a hoodie, a mixed politics hoodie. I think Beth, you you are are you sitting on a hoodie? Yes. 
Yes, I got myself are. one. So oh. excited about this. It so looks the, really the, comfy. The, the winner of our um, raffle for our Q&A was Princess Alyssa. Alyssa, I believe she lives in California. You still need to send us your particulars, ma'am, so we can <laughs> yes. get one of these things We need your to particulars. You. We need your but particulars. Yes. So excited yeah. about this. Thank you to our Patreon subscribers, to all of mm -hmm. our subscribers on YouTube, Facebook, uh, Instagram, wherever you find us. Thank you so, so much. I'm just going to do my cheers with the actual bottle because why wow. not? Oh, and I had a birthday recently. And um, this, this Happy whole birthday, man. Has been, yeah, I'm 39. Still not, I'm, still, I'm still not in your realm yet. But, you know, I had an amazing time. Um, yesterday, someone took me out to dinner that was very special and dear to me and her wonderful son, Kai Kai. So I just want to give a shout out to, you know, thanking you for making this week awesome that could make this podcast awesome if you like all it. right well happy birthday man all right to all of our analysts pundits and experts cheers yeah. <laughs> Are you, you have to you can't you can't put the bottle down after you cheers i i good point all right chaser <laughs> <sighs> damn that's good all right